0: Good evening and welcome uh, to the first of the monthly meetings of the Sovereign Grace Advent Testimony for the year 2022. We want to thank you for your faithfulness in supporting uh, these monthly meetings and the broadcasts that have been going forth now for almost uh, two years. We have been encouraged by the feedback, but we do want to thank you for your interest, and it's our prayer that the meeting this evening from beginning to end, will be a blessing uh, to your heart and to your soul. Our opening hymn is those challenging words when we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. As the hymn Trust and Obey, we pray the words will speak to your heart uh, as we sing them together. The words will come up uh, just on the screen before you, and we want to encourage you to join in in the worship of the Lord as we sing. Uh, our opening hymn. to seek the Lord's face in prayer. We're going to still our hearts together. Thank the Lord for the privilege we have. We do feel our need. We never feel that need more. And we we come to the throne of grace. So let's pray together for the Lord's blessing upon this meeting. And let's pray for the Lord's blessing to be upon the whole series of meetings that will be held in the will of God uh, through this year. Father, we do seek thee in prayer. Thank you for the privilege that we have. We come, Father, to worship thee. We bow before thee, mindful that you are the creator of all things, that without thee was not anything made that was made. We Remember that you're the sovereign God. You sit upon the circle of the earth. You draw forth the heavens as a curtain. You're the one that works all things, after the counsel of your own will. We remember, Father, not only have you made all things, but you behold all things uh, by the word of your power. As we're bowed before thee tonight. We want to say how great thou art. Uh, Lord, how encouraged we are as we seek thee in prayer, as we're mindful that you're the Almighty, that you're the omnipotent God, that what you've promised uh, you're able also to perform. We well, thank you for the great promise. Call on to me, and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Lord, our prayer tonight is that you'll show us great and mighty things in this meeting, that you'll show us great and mighty things in our ministry for thee during this new year. Show us great and mighty things in the Sovereign Grace Advent testimony. Do great, great and mighty things for us, the like of which we have Never known before, and Lord, we ask thee to come in great power upon our land, do great and mighty things in the cause of the gospel. We pray, Father, that this year we'll see a turning of the tide spiritually, that we will see a building of the Church of Jesus Christ. We want to ask Father, that even among your people, there will be a greater interest in the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, that there will be a greater desire. Even to study the prophetic scriptures, that that will not be a part of the Bible uh, that will be ignored or avoided. Your word says that we have a more sure word of prophecy. We're on, we do well, that we take heed. We remember the great promise of blessing, especially for those that read and study the book of the Revelation. So we're asking, Father, give uh, to your people uh, that desire, uh, that hunger. Uh, give to them that enlightenment. Give even to your servants, the ministers, across our land and across the earth, a greater desire to study uh, these subjects and to preach upon them to the prophet and to the edification of the Lord Jesus uh, Christ or to the edification especially of, of God's people. We pray, Father, uh, that there will be a challenge uh, that might be brought uh, to your people uh, from your word, we remember that you've said that we're to occupy until you come. We thank you for that great prospect uh, that the Savior is coming, that he's going to return once more to this earth. We're, we're to watch and we're to wait uh, for that great event, but we're conscious that we're to be active uh, in thy service as we watch and wait for the return again of our Savior. Lord, we do want to be ashamed at your coming. We want to be those Uh, that hear the well done of Christ. We want to be those that are found uh, faithful. We remember that your word says that he that has this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. So we want to pray, Father, that as the word of God is studied and even preached tonight, it will be a a challenge uh, to our hearts and to our lives uh, to be more like Christ, uh, to live that holy life, uh, that life of purity, as a child of God before this Evil and adulterous and wicked generation, uh, even in, in which uh, we're found. we ask you to remember the meeting tonight. We're glad we can commit it into your hands. We want to pray that God's blessing will rest upon uh, the meeting tonight, that you'll give us a token for good, even at the very commencement of this new year and this new series of uh, monthly meetings, we want to pray that you'll bless your servant, make him a blessing as he ministers the Word of God. We do thank you for the understanding that you've given to him, the insights into the prophetical Scriptures. We pray, Father, that his ministry will again tonight be owned of God. We pray it'll be a challenge. We pray he might be the Lord's messenger in the Lord's message, that you'll speak through him. We pray that you'll make him a channel of blessing, not just as he ministers tonight, but in your will as he will minister again at some of these meetings a little later in the year we just ask that you'll help in every part of the service tonight and as the broadcast goes forth that many uh, will have the opportunity to hear it that it will be a means of blessing and a means of profit uh, to the people of god to the building up of god's people in the faith of the gospel we ask thee to remember father uh, the witness of the sovereign grace advent testimony we praise thee for it how you have maintained that lord we we acknowledge that it's your work It's been your doing, how this testimony has been preserved for for over a hundred years, how you have provided so bountifully uh, for it. We want tonight to acknowledge your faithfulness uh, to us, the greatness of your faithfulness. We remember all that are involved in this witness. We remember our secretary, uh, Mr. Toms. Thank you, Father, for how you've spared him, for the good health and strength uh, that you've given uh, to him. We pray that you'll spare him uh, for many more years to come. Thank you for the health and strength that you favored his dear wife with as well. Thank you for the blessing that they have been for all of their labors, even to promote the cause of the gospel, even to challenge and to promote uh, the, the great subject of the coming again uh, of the Savior. Lord, we pray that you'll encourage them. We pray that even in their old age, that you'll be pleased to give them much fruit. Your, your Word promises fruit even in old age. And we pray, Father, that the most fruitful years of your servant's lives and ministry might yet be uh, before them, remember our committee. We thank you, Father, uh, for the committee of the Sovereign Grace Adventist. May all that serve faithfully upon that committee. We're mindful of our trustees as well. Thank you for their support. We ask that wisdom will be given to all of the uh, members of our committee, all of our office bearers. Lord, we need that divine wisdom. Your Word tells us that you're the one that gives wisdom, and we're asking, Father, For this new year that wisdom and direction will be given. We remember that uh, your Word says that wisdom is the principal thing. Uh, Therefore, get wisdom, and all thy getting get understanding. And we're crying, Father, give to us each one uh, the wisdom of God, the wisdom that is needed for these days, even that that the the cause of the gospel might be advanced. We pray that, Lord, that this year will see new doors of opportunity, new doors of ministry, open to us new doors, even, Father, for the promotion of the literature, that uh, more literature will will be sought uh, in this year than in previous years. We ask Thee, Father, uh, to hear our cries, give us tokens for good, uh, even in that regard as well. So we're praying, Father, bless our labors. We know that without Thee we can do nothing. So we want to ask at the beginning of this year, bless these meetings, bless the committee, bless the literature, bless every part of this ministry, and use it, Father, even to be a great blessing to the people of God uh, all across the earth. So here, these are cries and our prayers as we commit the meeting and commit the way ahead now into your hands, asking that we'll know your blessing in all its fullness resting upon us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We just want to take a moment or two to make the necessary announcements. We take the opportunity again to welcome you uh, to the service, welcome you to the broadcast. We thank you for taking the time to listen to the service uh, this evening. We ask you to remember the meetings uh, through the incoming year. Especially we ask you to remember them in prayer. And we pray that they might be a blessing to you, but we're conscious that we need uh, your prayers. We want to make that appeal. But we thank you sincerely uh, for tuning in to the broadcast tonight and we pray that the whole service but especially the ministry of god's word will be a help and a blessing that you'll profit uh, greatly uh, from it just to remind you of our quarterly magazine uh, watching and waiting uh, the, the latest edition this is for january to march of 2022 is available it's priced five pounds uh, per year we want to commend the magazine to you. We want to encourage as many people as possible to be uh, signed up uh, for the magazine. We'd like it to have as wide a circulation uh, as possible. Just to make that appeal again at the beginning of the new year, maybe you've been thinking of having your name added to the mailing list, uh, send your details as soon as possible uh, to our secretary, uh, Mr. Tomes. There is a very profitable... Uh, Message contained within uh, this latest edition of the magazine, uh, The Testimony of Ezekiel. Uh, That was the message that the Reverend Brian McClung brought at uh, one of the monthly meetings uh, back last uh, April. It was the Spring Conference, or one of the meetings uh, of the Spring Conference. It is a very able uh, exposition of the prophecy of Ezekiel, uh, one of the, the more challenging books, one of the more challenging prophecies of the Old Testament Scriptures. So we do commend the magazine, commend that message to you. You'll be greatly helped. It will open up uh, very clearly for you uh, that uh, entire book uh, of uh, the Word of God. Just to remind you that our next meeting uh, will be held on Friday night, the 25th of February at 7 o'clock. The preacher uh, that evening will be uh, the Reverend David Park. Uh, Mr. Park is the minister of the Hebron Free Presbyterian Church in Ballymoney in uh, Northern Ireland, a good friend of the Sovereign Grace Advent Testimony, has been a regular speaker uh, for us at these meetings uh, over many years. Uh, the Reverend Park is going to be speaking on the subject, Can the Lord Jesus Come at Any Moment? That's a vital question. It's a vital subject. Uh, There is much confusion, misunderstanding among um, some of the Lord's people on that question, so we commend that meeting to you, the message that our brother will bring. Make the meeting widely known, tell others about it, encourage them to tune in. Anyone that you feel would profit from hearing uh, that message. Uh, In the will of the Lord, that meeting uh, will be a broadcast. It will go forth in this uh, similar manner. It will be broadcast uh, over the various internet Uh, platforms. In the will of the Lord, if circumstances allow, we're planning to recommence the meetings uh, in London. Uh, That is in the New Life Bible Presbyterian Church in Salisbury Road in London. Uh, We're planning to do that uh, for the March meeting uh, of this year. We'll be able to confirm that to you uh, during the broadcast uh, next month, so do listen out Uh, for that announcement especially and it will also be sent out uh, by our secretary in the circular emails that he sends out before uh, the broadcast so keep that matter in mind Uh, it will be two years uh, actually in march from last we were able to meet in person there uh, at the church uh, in salisbury road in in london so it would be quite significant uh, to be able to gather together again so keep that in mind and listen out uh, for uh, the broadcast, we will mention a few other publications uh, just a little later uh, before Mr. Foster brings his message. But uh, these are all the matters just that we want to bring to you this evening by way of uh, announcement. Just one verse I'd like to read to you and make some comments by way of Chairman's remarks. That's Micah chapter five and the verse two, a familiar verse that is read and spoken upon particularly around the time uh, when we think of the birth of the Lord Jesus. Uh, Micah 5, verse 2, But thou, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is, to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old, from everlasting. So we pray the Lord will bless Just the reading of that verse. It's especially the words in the middle of the verse. Yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler in Israel. One of the great truths that is taught in this text of Scripture is the purpose uh, for the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ or one of the purposes uh, for his birth. And it's very clearly stated that he is to be ruler in Israel. Let me emphasize, point out to you, the scriptures teach that the Lord Jesus came for several reasons. He came for several purposes. There were a number of reasons uh, why he was born, why the incarnation uh, took place. I want to encourage you to look for them as you read and study uh, the scriptures. Remember, John in his first epistle came, or in his first epistle said. For this purpose was the Son of God manifest, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Remember as well that the Lord Jesus, when he was here on earth during his earthly ministry, said, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. There's the great redemptive, the great saving purpose uh, for his birth, the reason why he came down uh, to earth uh, from heaven. But here in this text, Micah 5, verse 2, uh, we learn another reason, another purpose uh, for the birth of the Lord Jesus, and that is he came to reign. He came to be king. He came to be king in Israel. In the words of the text, he came to be ruler in Israel. Can I highlight for you, and I'd like you to understand, I want to make it clear, that this prophecy, the prophecy of Micah 5, verse 2, has only been partially Uh, fulfilled. Because to this very day, the Lord Jesus has never been ruler in Israel. This is something that's going to happen in the future. It's something that's going to happen at his second advent, when he comes again, uh, the second time in great power and glory. So, I want to encourage you uh, to to keep that in view. And I want to encourage you uh, this evening to study Uh, even more that great theme as it's found and taught in the Word of God. Do you remember the words of the angel uh, to Mary? It gives great support uh, to what's been taught here in this text. The angel said that the Lord would give unto him, that's unto the Lord Jesus, the throne of his father David. He's teaching there very well. That's a tremendous statement. It's a powerful statement that he would give him the throne of his father, David. The Lord Jesus is going to sit upon uh, the throne of Israel. So that, men and women, is something that is uh, still uh, to take place. It's something that we're still looking for uh, to be fulfilled at uh, a future day. Remember that of his birth in Bethlehem is literal. The first part of the text says, Thou Bethlehem ephrata though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me. So of his birth in Bethlehem is literal, and remember that this verse is quoted, uh, it was quoted by the scribes and by the chief priests in Matthew uh, chapter 2 when they were demanded of Herod uh, where Christ should be born. This is a reference to his birth, to his literal birth, and of his birth in Bethlehem is literal, and it is, then so too is his reign. He's going to reign in Israel. There's no division in the text that we take the first part as literal and then we spiritualize the second part uh, to refer uh, to the church. So I want to stress that for you. Here's an important text, an important text in the study of Bible prophecy. It teaches us one of the great purposes uh, for the birth of the Lord Jesus. He came to reign. He came to be ruler And what a day, what a glorious day uh, that uh, will be. So we pray the Lord will bless uh, those few thoughts to uh, your hearts uh, this evening. Just at this uh, stage, we want to take the opportunity to welcome our guest speaker for the meeting uh, this evening, uh, the Reverend Ivan Foster. Uh, Mr. Foster uh, previously was the minister of the Kilskiri Free Presbyterian Church in County Tyrone in Northern Ireland. He is now retired uh, from the pastoral ministry, but we're thankful for the Lord's servant and for his ministry. We we rejoice especially in the grasp and in the understanding the Lord has given to him in matters relating to uh, the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. His ministry is always a blessing, Uh, He has spoken for the the Sovereign Grace Advent Testimony uh, for many years. He's one of our most long-standing preachers, uh, and we're glad that he's able to be with us uh, this evening just to to highlight that the series this year, uh, the title for the series is Where Are We in God's Calendar? Uh, That's a very good question. Uh, Where are we as regard to the time frame? In prophetic events that will lead up to the second coming uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ. The, the title that we've taken is borrowed from a message uh, that Mr. Foster preached and that has been printed uh, by the Sovereign Grace Advent Testimony. So that's available from our secretary. We want to make you aware of that, encourage you uh, to get in contact with him to obtain a copy or copies of uh, the message. But that is the theme that we're going to be uh, considering uh, together uh, for this uh, incoming year. The theme especially that Mr. Foster is considering uh, tonight is, how are we to watch for the Lord's uh, coming? That's a very appropriate way to begin. Remember, the Bible encourages us to watch for the coming again of the Savior. Our magazine is known as Watching and Waiting. Uh, Those are uh, two uh, vital principles uh, for us as Christians, but especially when it comes uh, to the study uh, of the prophetic scriptures. We're to watch and we're to wait. So, Mr. Foster is going to take up this evening the theme of how are we to watch uh, for the Lord's coming. We're looking forward uh, to that message. Just to highlight to you some other publications that we have uh, of Mr. Foster's, this little Bible Lands and Bible Light uh, series. Uh, Mr. Foster did the message uh, on grace. So we want to highlight that for you this evening. Remember that there's 12 uh, booklets in that series. Uh, They sell at uh, 40 pence each, or you can have the entire uh, collection for four pounds, uh, plus the postage and package. Uh, Contact Mr. Toms if you're interested in receiving uh, those booklets. They are very, very profitable. Uh, we, We feel that they're very, very helpful Uh, particularly as we think of all of the lands around the Mediterranean Sea, the place that they will have in the end time, the events leading up to the return of the Savior. Just to highlight also uh, Mr. Foster's book uh, on the book of the Revelation, an exposition of the book of the Revelation, it's entitled uh, The Shadow of uh, the Antichrist, uh, priced £7.50. Those are also... Uh, available from the Sovereign Grace Advent Testimony uh, a Bookstore. So we want to bring those to uh, your attention. Uh, in a few minutes, the Lord's servant's going to come and bring his message uh, to us. But just before he does that, uh, we're going to sing our second hymn uh, together, how appropriate it is, a challenge again to our hearts for the days in which we're found. Stand up, stand up for Jesus, ye soldiers of uh, the cross. So let's sing our second hymn together.
1: us for this video broadcast. I'm speaking to you from Kilskerry Free Presbyterian Church, one that I'm somewhat familiar with, down here in County Tyrone in Northern Ireland. And we do welcome you, one and all, to this Sovereign Grace Advent Testimony broadcast. The first thing I want to do is to read some verses from Matthew and the chapter 25. There's a very well-known parable there, but I'm not going to read all of the parable, just some verses at the beginning. Matthew chapter 25, the verse 1, Then shall the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, I should say, be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh, go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. I will be referring to this portion of God's word later on in the message. And the subject that has been given to me is how are we to watch for the Lord's return. How are we to watch for the Lord's return? Now, the title presupposes that we are to be watching for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. That certainly, and I say this with sadness, is not the spirit of the people of God generally today. We are in that period, symbolized in the passage that I just read to you, while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. That is, the wise and the foolish virgins, picturing for us that The visible church, which is made up of the genuine and the false Christian. The church, the visible church today is asleep concerning the return of the Lord Jesus. There is a spirit of deep slumber everywhere abroad. It's a spirit that is similar to that which overtook Israel on many occasions and against which the Lord warned them then beware lest thou forget the Lord which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 12. Sadly It was a warning that went unheeded. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 32, occurring many, many centuries after the writing of Deuteronomy, contains these words. Can a maid forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me Days without number. What a dreadful indictment that is of those who claim to be the people of God throughout the ages. As Israel was given the means of keeping alive the memories of the Lord fulfilling his future covenant blessings, so we have the equivalent in the Lord's table. As the Lord teaches us in First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 26, For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Yet despite the widespread observance of this ordinance amongst the professing people of God, even amongst the faithful remnant, there is very often a very proper remembering of the past, the Savior's dying for us on the cross, which is the first element of the command given us here. But scant thought is given to the second element, till he come, that is part of that ordinance. There's little thought of how the table of the Lord points forward to the return of Christ as well as pointing us back to his death on the cross. Well then, to the subject, how are we to watch for the Lord's coming? Well, first and foremost, I want to stress that we are to watch as did the early church They provide for us a pattern to be observed and copied. There was a watchful disposition in the apostolic days. Heed Paul's words to the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 7. Ye come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The Corinthian church was one of the least spiritual in the professing church on that day. What does that not say regarding us today? If the least spiritual church is here commended by Paul for their remembering the Lord's coming again, while there is today virtually no real thought given to that glorious event amongst the people of God. Now, why was it so that there was this strong remembering, waiting, looking forward to the coming again of the Lord Jesus? Well, I, I would say this, that a people who have been very conscious of the Lord's presence, as have or as had the people in the apostolic days, the Lord's presence, the Lord's power, the Lord's blessing, there would be, as a result of this experience, a very strong longing after the fullness of fellowship that will come again to the people of God at his return. Is there not something of a very sad contrast today to the disposition of the hearts of the apostles on the Mount of Ascension and the direction of their hearts and eyes? You recall how the angel said to them, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? Acts one eleven. What longing is evident amongst the apostles by that gazing upward. How few gaze upward today looking for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then again, there are few today in that pose, I say, or the disposition of heart that was manifested by this upward looking by the apostles yet we ought to be looking upward. It's part of our Christian profession. Paul wrote to Titus in chapter 2, the verse 12 and the verse 13, teaching us that denying ungodliness, we should denying ungodliness and worldly lust, let me include that phrase, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We ought to be looking. That's part of our Christian disposition as set forth here in these words. We ought to be looking as did the father look for the prodigal. Spotting him immediately, he appeared over the horizon. The word looking for there in Titus are words that entail the idea of a spirit of waiting, open-armed to receive one who's coming is long for. It implies a living and real expectancy of Christ's return to this earth as it was amongst those few on the mount at the first advent of Christ. We're told in Luke chapter 2 in the verse 25, and behold there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. He had come to the mount of the Lord. He had come to the temple. And that was the spirit in which he came. And there, as we know, he met Mary and he met the infant child. It's interesting to notice that it is said of him that the Holy Ghost was upon him. And when the Holy Ghost is upon a person, one of the features of that person is that they will be waiting for the return of the Lord. That chapter 2 of Luke's Gospel introduces us to another very fine person, Anna the prophetess of whom it was said she was of a great age, and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about four score and four years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And coming in at that instant, gave thanks likewise Unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Anna was part of her remnant who were waiting for the Saviour to come. That was how it was in the first advent. And I say that spirit should be amongst God's people still today. They were in the minority then. Simeon and Anna. And in this day, such as all are of their spirit, are very much in the minority. Secondly, we are to watch with an informed heart and mind. We cannot watch intelligently if we do not know what it is. We are watching for sadly many today are very poorly informed with regards to the savior's return i have heard all too many ministers use the excuse of their self-confessed ignorance of prophetic teachings they say, I don't deal with this subject because I'm really not informed of it. What do you think would be the reaction if a man said, well, I never preach upon the incarnation. I never preach upon the inspiration of scripture. I, I never preach upon the Trinity. Because I'm not really that informed about that topic. I could see a heresy trial starting right away. Why is it then acceptable in fundamentalist circles for a man to excuse his lack of preaching about the return of Christ by saying, I'm not well informed? I would say, and I think I can say it without fear of being challenged, that there is no doctrinal subject about which more is given in the Bible than the subject of the return of Christ. Oh, there's little excuse for men to be ignorant of that subject. And it's because preachers take this line that the people in the pew are not as informed as they ought to be. There's no excuse for ignorance concerning the return of Christ. We're commanded to watch Matthew chapter 24 and the verse 42. That word watch means give strict attention to. Surely there are few who observe this call to strict attention to this subject today. Today the very telling words of the Savior to the two disciples on the road to Emmaus shows this to be so. Then he said unto me, then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe that all all that the prophets have spoken. Luke 24, 25. This is the same word Paul uses of the Galatians who had been deceived by the Judaizers. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you? Galatians 3 1. Fools because they had been misled by ignorance and the lies of the devil's agents. So it is today. A vast number of true believers are as these two in Luke chapter 24 and those in Galatia deceived, foolish in their views and notions because of the lies that are spread, and the lack of the truth being spread concerning the return of the Lord Jesus. If there is one subject that the Bible sets forth, it is the return in triumph of the Savior, something I've already stated, and I repeat it. In Genesis chapter 3, in the verse 15, we have the prophecy of the Lord Jesus bruising the head of Satan. To bruise means to crush. The same word is applied concerning what was to happen, the Savior on the cross. His heel was to be bruised. And we know that it was the death of the Savior that was thereby referred to. Likewise then, there will be a crushing of the devil's power. It happened at the cross. It will happen to a a fuller degree at the Savior's return. And then ultimately, that crushing will be accomplished when he is cast into the lake of fire. From Genesis onward, prophecies of the return of Christ become progressively more extensive and more expansive. That's a principle of Scripture. We come to the last book of the Bible with all its wonderful detail of events at the end, particularly the last three and a half years. And I would stress this to all of you that when you're reading prophecy, do remember that there is this focusing in more and more and more in the revelations given us of the events of the last days until we're looking at the last three and a half years and then right down to that glorious moment when the Savior returns. Ignorance. Ignorance that is found amongst Christians regarding what the Bible thus teaches of the second advent is testimony to the devil's bewitching influences at work in Galatia and at work amongst God's people everywhere ever since. Again, the Savior demonstrates in Matthew chapter 24 and 25 the character of the information provided in the Bible about the return of the Savior. There we have the readiness of the Lord Jesus to answer questions about his return, 24 and the verse 3. There is also his warning about the danger of being deceived on this subject of his return, verses 4. And then verses 3 to 25 of Matthew chapter 24. There is also an example of the extensive setting forth of the details of his return in the verses 6 to 25 of Matthew chapter 24. The Lord Jesus employs the plainest of statements and the most illustrative language in these verses and in these chapters. And so it is throughout the Bible. Ignorance among God's people on this subject is inexcusable. Though, sadly, I have heard all too many Christians say, that this is such a difficult subject they never even bother about it. That is inexcusable. The third point I want to make is this. We are to watch with a consciousness of the Savior's warning of carelessness overtaking the professing church in the last days. How clearly The Savior depicts the professing church of today. I read to you the opening verses of Matthew chapter 25, and these words point to this age, this this time. The word then with which the chapter begins tells us that. The times of which the Lord has been speaking were those at the close of the age. Chapters 24 of Matthew, the verses 29 and 30. There the Savior immediately set forth some parables and illustrations by which he paints a picture of the happenings of that time. And then if you look at verses 32 to 33, 37 to 41, 43 and 44, 45 to 51, you will see from these words the linkage between the events that brings us up to verse 1 of Matthew 25. Here is another, then. Then. He is still speaking of the last days, as he had been in chapter 24, and the the verse 1 of chapter 25 brings us, I believe, to this day, the day of slumbering saints. Would I not be true in saying that there is little evidence of the Lord's presence and power and blessing amongst us today? We are in a state of carelessness and negligence. We have not been forsaken by the Lord, for that cannot be, but the Lord has withdrawn His presence, which was once known very much amongst us. Psalm 10. Verse 1. Why standest thou afar off, O Lord? Why hidest thou thyself in times of trouble? I could preach on that. You know, it's only in times of trouble when God's people look around for the Lord. And then they discover that due to their foolishness, And carelessness. The Lord has withdrawn. And now they ask this question. And the answer to it is very simple. The psalmist is complaining. But backsliding and carelessness will cause such a withdrawal by the Lord, a standing afar off. Recall the words of the Lord Jesus upon the cross, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why? Because of sin. That's what robbed the Lord Jesus of the presence of his Father. It was not his sin. Rather, it was our imputed sin being placed upon him as our substitutionary sacrifice that caused God to see his son as sin and therefore withdraw from him. As Paul says, Second Corinthians chapter 5 and the verse 21, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That's what happened at the cross. And that's why he was forsaken. Christ became as our sins and immediately was forsaken of his Father. And that's why the church is in the state it's in today. And who amongst us can deny there's not the power and presence of God that there ought to be? We can but conclude it's sin. Sin amongst God's people will cause the Lord to leave. And the Lord said unto Joshua, Get thee up. Wherefore liest thou thus upon thy face? Israel hath sinned. And they have transgressed my covenant which I commanded them, for they have even taken of the accursed thing, and have also stolen, and dissembled also, and they have put it even among their own stuff, therefore the children of israel could not stand before their enemies but turned their back before their enemies because they were accursed neither will i be with you any more except ye destroy the accursed thing from among you those words are found in joshua chapter 7 the verses 10 to 12 the powerlessness of the pulpits today is thus explained. Sin is tolerated in the camp of Israel. The Lord is offended and withdraws his blessing and his power from amongst us. Such has ever been the impact of sin upon the relationship between God and his people. The psalmist said, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Psalm 68, verse 18. The word regard there carries the meaning of approve. That's how it's translated in Genesis 1-4, where it speaks of God seeing what he had created. And he saw it as good. He saw it as good how much of the world and the ways of the flesh are seen as good and are approved amongst God's people today. It is this attitude that has cost the church the presence of the Lord and caused the forgetting of him and of his return. The final point that I want to make is very simple. We are to watch with the hope and expectation of a latter-day reviving of God's people. Matthew 25, verses 6 and 7. And at midnight there was a cry made. You couldn't get later in the day and at midnight, behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. I just want to observe in closing, first of all, the source of that cry. It has to be from heaven. Only heaven knows when the Lord is returning. And brethren and sisters, there will be information for those ready to heed the Scriptures regarding the return of Christ, but only heaven knows the precise time of his return. And we must watch carefully and study the Scriptures to that end. It is a cry that indicates the approach of the Lord's return. It is not a cry announcing his arrival, but rather his approach. He's coming. Please remember what is stated in Daniel regarding our knowledge of the last things. Daniel chapter 12, the verses 8 and 9. And I heard, but I understood not. Then said I, O my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And the things he's speaking of, are the things revealed regarding the very last end days. And he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Not closed up and sealed forever, but only closed up and sealed until the time of the end. And in the time of the end, I believe there will be an unsealing of these prophecies that presently we find hard to understand just this morning i read malachi chapter 3 and the verse 1 tells me behold i will send my messenger and he shall prepare the way before me and the lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple even the messenger of the covenant Whom ye delight in, behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. What happened before the first advent? Well, I believe, happen again to a measure, a great measure, before the second advent. John the Baptist came. And the Lord teaches us that before he comes again, Elijah will come. We will have the two witnesses in Jerusalem testifying during the last 42 months of this age about the truth of God's word just before the sounding of the seventh trumpet. And that glorious announcement The kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. Revelation chapter 11 and the verse 15. Now as there was the voice of John the Baptist announcing the Messiah. I believe God will have more than one voice announcing the coming, the near return of the Lord Jesus Christ in that day. This, I believe, constitutes what is referred to in Matthew chapter 25, a cry being made. God's going to raise a cry. He's going to raise a cry. It's a cry for believers to return to their rightful duties. I have to tell you, when I read to you that passage from Matthew at the beginning of this message, I noticed something that I cannot remember noticing before, though possibly I have seen it before and noted it before. Let me read to you verse 1 again of Matthew 25. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. That was their activity from the beginning. They were intended to go forth to meet the bridegroom. But then they fell asleep. And I realized, well, that's what has happened so clearly. The early church, it was waiting for the bridegroom. But a sleepiness has overtaken the church for a long time now. But God is going to raise up the sleeping and when they do rise up, they'll return to the duties that have been neglected. For as we read in Matthew 25, they trimmed their lamps and they went forth to meet the bridegroom. They had neglected their lamps. Oh, well, there was oil there. But the lamps needed trimming or dressing. That's a term I remember being used in my boyhood days, for I come from a day and from a home in which there was no electricity. And for quite a few years of my early life, I knew what it was for the old lamp to be trimmed, the globe taken off it, cleaned. I always remember they used, my mother used, Old newspapers, that seemed to work very well in cleaning away the soot that was inside the globe of the lamp until it was sparkling clean. And then the wick was screwed up and trimmed so that it burned evenly. And that was done on a very regular basis, almost every day. And that's what's referred to here a preparing of the lamp so that it burns bright. And that's what God is going to do amongst his people. There will be a restoration of that clear testifying to the whole counsel of God, including the return of Christ to this world. It says they went out to meet him. That's what we need to do. We need to have our faces set toward the return of Christ. And we, we need every day to be so living as to be going to meet him. We've got our back toward everything that is in the world. and We're going toward the Lord. You remember Noah and his family? They entered into the ark before the flood came. And they were in the ark for a number of days before the flood came. And the world would have noticed them getting into the ark while there was yet no evidence of any rainfall. I believe that symbolizes very clearly what will be the disposition of that generation who will be given the glorious task of welcoming the Lord Jesus Christ. there's a verse that came to me of recent time, or two verses actually, and I'd just like to read them as I draw to a close. They're found in Isaiah, the chapter 26. And they are the verses 20 and 21, the last verses of the chapter. Come, my people, Enter thou into thy chambers and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself, as it were, for a little moment until the indignation be overpassed. For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place to punish the inhabitants of the earth for their iniquity. The earth also shall disclose her blood and shall no more cover our slain. Now, I have no doubt that this is a reference to the return of Christ and to the last days of this age. If you care to read the chapter 25, And also this chapter 26, you will find that that is the case. That there are many references in those two chapters that indicate that the prophet is speaking of those days prior to the return of Christ. And God's people will turn their back on the world more and more. I might illustrate it by saying this. The Titanic, that infamous, wonderful vessel that set sail after its manufacture and building in Belfast. And it was a luxury liner. Many on it paid a fortune of money in order to enjoy uh, that Sailing, and all that was provided for them on the boat. But when the announcement was made, abandoned ship. The rich forsook the luxurious apartments that they had paid a fortune to occupy. They forsook the gaming tables. They forsook the dance floor. They forsook the dining room. And they headed for the lifeboats. Whatever their thoughts had been prior to that announcement, they immediately became very different. And I'm telling you, God's people are going to become more and more conscious that the visitation of Christ is drawing near and the end of this world and all that it comprises today. And it will be an easy thing turn your back upon it and withdraw more and more into a holy walk with God in preparation for that return this cry in Matthew 25 is one which heralds the long awaited entrance to the marriage supper did you see what it said there well we didn't read it but I'm sure you're You're acquainted well enough with Matthew chapter 25 as to how that parable ends that the Savior set before uh, the disciples. It says that while the foolish went to buy, I'm reading from verse 10, the bridegroom came and they that were ready went with him to the marriage and the door was shut. The marriage supper of the Lamb. Oh, if we recognize that that's what's drawing near, what excitement and joy should fill our hearts. Dear Christian, are you so weary? Any listening to this broadcast, are you so willing? With this question, we end our message, our study, this evening. The Lord bless you all richly.
0: Amen. We do want to thank uh, the Lord's servant for his ministry this evening. Uh, for the help that is known, the time that has been put in to the study and uh, to the preparation of the message, the challenge that it has been to our hearts. Uh, we pray the Lord will help us uh, to watch, and we pray that even from what we've heard that we'll be better informed, better instructed as the Lord's people how we are to watch uh, for the return again of the Savior, the things that we're uh, to watch for, the events that we're to watch for unfolding. So we do appreciate very much uh, the message that we've heard uh, from the Lord's servant tonight. Mr. Foster will be ministering uh, at some of the other meetings a little later on in the year. So do pray for him as he prepares uh, those messages and uh, watch out for the advertisements. And we ask you again to pray for the Lord's blessing upon this uh, entire series. The closing hymn tonight is, I Serve a Risen Saviour. He's in the world today. And I know that he is living, whatever men uh, may say. A great hymn about uh, the resurrection uh, of Christ. So let's sing, uh, as we worship the Lord, let's sing our final hymn uh, together, please. going to bow in prayer uh, to close the service. I want to pray that the Lord will bless all that has taken place, especially use uh, his word. So let's take his face together. Father, we lift our hearts to thee in praise. Thank you for being with us this evening. We thank you for your hand upon uh, the broadcast for every part of it. We want to pray, Father, that you'll use this broadcast as it goes forth. Across the internet. We pray, Father, that you will overrule uh, so that it will be brought to the attention of many of your people. It will be a help uh, to them, that it will give them light and understanding of uh, the scriptures. We pray, Father, that you will bless the literature as it goes forth. We pray that there will be an interest in some of the literature that has been highlighted tonight. And we want to thank you, especially for the Word of God, uh, for the good Word of God. We have rejoiced over your word as those that have found great spoil. We pray that you'll bless your servant and his own heart and soul as he has delivered the message to us. But we want to pray, Father, that many will hear it, and we pray that many will be brought to a fuller and clearer understanding of uh, the subject of uh, the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So hear our cries, Father, and our prayers, and we thank you that we've knowing your presence. We're glad that we've been able to meet together, even though separated uh, by many miles, uh, some in the various corners of the earth. We've met together this evening at your feet. We've sat together at your feet and heard your word, and we praise thee for that fellowship that we've known. And Lord, we just ask that you keep your hand upon this testimony, and our prayer would be that it will go on from strength to strength. Remember that It tells us in the Word of God that the house of David waxed stronger and stronger. And Lord, that's our prayer uh, for the testimony of the Sovereign Grace Advent testimony in this year of 2022. It will wax stronger and stronger. So hear cries, We ask now that you'll part us in thy fear and with thy favor. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. For Jesus' sake. Amen.